Linoleum Knife, a podcast of the cinema, your favorite podcast with the best podcasters. I'm Mr. Snacks. <laughs> What's your name? Who are you? <laughs> I'm Cake Boy. I don't know. What is this? Linoleum Knife with Cake Boy and Mr. Snacks. <laughs> Brought to you by this bag of pistachios that we're trying to finish before the mic turns on. <laughs> Do not... The second before I hit the music, you know, button, mm-hmm. do not call me a goofy nickname. <laughs> that... I can't... I can't get it out of my system. <laughs> I, didn't, we, I didn't think Mr. Snacks was one of my better ones. Like, but, uh, I, mean, I mean, considering I had a, a, a wad of food in my mouth when you called me Mr. Snacks, I think of that. You know, it's 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 timely. It's topical. <laughs> it's cute. Cutting edge. It's a, you know, mm. a spousal endearment. Okay. You are my spouse, after all. You are Mr. Snacks. I'm <laughs> Cake Boy and Mr. Snacks. <laughs> You're a cake man, I'd say. Yeah, thank you. I like to think so. Cake man. I mean... You're real old, so that's it's, true. <laughs> not a, you're nobody's boy anymore. Look, I came up with Mr. Snacks, and I was that that tapped my creative well. <laughs> I had nothing left to give. What's your actual name? I'm Alonzo Duraldi. In case someone's listening for the first time and they haven't helped, they're already person. ready to turn off. You the, are Dave White. Turn off the podcast. <laughs> my name's Dave White. Yes, and you're here to say you're a. Um, you're a working film critic who gets paid to write film criticism. <laughs> I'm coming upon a year of not having that kind of wow. job. Yeah, uh, but you know what? This is still a business entity. Yeah, this is your right this so is your outlet. I don't get to. I'm not. No one's. Ain't nobody giving me a check to write a movie you, review. You are Dave White of Linoleum Knife. I'm. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Okay, we know. Still not writing. We're on KCRW, but that's yeah. not, still not writing. How's it going? Great. How's your Monday? Um, you wrote jam- the ISS review. Jam-packed. Yeah, I wrote an ISS review. That's a movie coming out this weekend, y'all. It's January where you don't know what movies are coming out until they come out. Yeah. And when they come out, you go, what's that? <laughs> when, when, how come no one told me that was a movie that was coming out? <laughs> that's, that's January. Yeah. That's how January happens. So last week there was Mean Girls, which... Mm-hmm. You know, takes up all the air. Right. But then there was the Book of Clarence. Right. Which you have seen, and I'm going to go see this week. Yes. Um, Because I really want to hear your thoughts about this. And then there was the Beekeeper. Right. Which which neither of us have seen. I felt like ignoring, but now I feel like I should go, because it's about killing people. Well, yeah. Did you think it was really just about beekeeping? I don't know. I thought that might be cool. Jason Statham. Is if someone said the Jason, honeypot. If so, 
If somebody had told me Jason Statham's in a film about a beekeeper and he keeps bees, I would have been on that on opening day. Ah. Because you love an apiary. But what I heard was Jason Statham's in a movie where he just like kills a lot of people. It's called The Beekeeper. And I thought, eh, that can wait. (laughs) But now I've been hearing from people who've gone to see it who are like, yeah, you might want to watch this one, you know. It's Um, directed by David Ayer, if that's a selling point. I mean, no, but also not no. Yeah, I know. It's it's like, are you going to get Fury or are you going to get like the Suicide Squad? Who knows? Right. Um, and then, you know, coming out this week is a, a space movie. Yes. ISS. ISS. International Space Station. Mm-hmm. Starring Academy Award winner Ariana DeBose. Ariana DeBose. As an astronaut. Yes. Who sings and dances her way across the galaxy. <laughs> Into your heart. No. <laughs> that's all I think of when I think of her. Well, that's... I think of her as a singing, dancing lady. That's why she's making movies like ISS, so that you know that she's got more to bring to the table. Mm, Okay. Um, But, you know what? Singing and dancing is plenty to bring to the table. Sure. You used to be able to build an entire career... Yes. ...in in the film industry by... by Singing and dancing. ...exclusively the person who was in singing and dancing movies. Yeah. And we've taken that away from the people who should be, rightly, making their living... Being in this week's musical, right? It used to be that there was just a musical always in movie theaters. Yeah, several. Now, this is, again, when my grandparents uh, were alive. (laughs) But still. uh, The 60s ruined everything. They sure did. Because suddenly it was like, well, we we stopped making Howard Keels. So we have to have, like... Richard Harris and you know but we didn't stop making Howard Keels we stopped making movies with Howard Keels true we stopped making we stopped turning Howard Keels into movie stars right and so now all the movie stars are are you know mumbling British guys who can't sing but we're going to pretend like they can and what happens is this all the musical theater people go to New York they yeah. wind up in Broadway shows yeah you see them in some gritty independent film with no makeup on <laughs> <laughs> where they're not singing, they're not dancing, and then eventually something comes along where they are like busting out a tune, and you're like, oh wait, I've, you've been always able to do that, and I didn't know, and now and now I realize I have to go backwards and figure out where you came from. Well, no, no, yeah. I, I, I think now more likely is that you have like a superhero show with like six people on it who all came from the song and dance world. And sometime in the middle of season three, they're like, hey, we're going to do a musical episode now. And they are so excited. (laughs) Yeah. Because they finally get to do the thing. (laughs) So tell me, we're going to talk about three movies today. Yes. We're going to talk about the new Frederick Wiseman film. Yes. Uh, Menu Plaisir, Les Trois Gros. We're going to talk about uh, poor things, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about Ferrari, because I have finally caught up on both of those films after my well, weeks-long convalescence. Three, <laughs> right. I've Well, the uh, Menu Plays Zero I watched early on right. after surgery. I was like drifting in and out of sleep, <laughs> sort of looking at my little link and um, my little, you know, internet link to the screener. Um and um, so we're talking about those three movies. We're going to talk about the Los Angeles Film Critics Association uh, awards dinner. Yes. And how good Alonzo looks 
<laughs> in a suit. I yeah. y'all don't even know. Y'all, you have no idea, unless you saw him on Instagram, looking looking fancy with Christy Lemire because they've got the Breakfast All Day podcast and YouTube show, where you know they do their own thing together and. They both dressed up, they both went to the event, and they both posted the photos on their own Instagram accounts for breakfast all day. I feel like the man's suit is yet another bit of fashion that favors the the aquiline gentleman. Nope, you are incorrect. You have been lied to by mm. the world. Mm. The fat man, the round man, the thick man, the bountiful man, <laughs> right? I can't think of a single one I've ever seen that doesn't look delicious in a suit. <laughs> Succulent, edible. That's what I'm saying. Well, that's very sweet. Thank you. It's not very sweet. I'm telling you the truth. Okay, thank you. You got too much talent for it to be right. <laughs> I'm trying to take the compliment here. Take the compliment. Um, that was a dark charcoal gray Brooks Brothers suit. Little little flash of fashion with a Vivian Westwood necktie. That queer lion mane of <laughs> silver hair. I just saw a trailer for a movie that won the queer lion that's coming to theaters. Yeah, what's that called? You were telling me about that. Uh, housekeeping today. for beginners. Housekeeping for beginners. Well, it'll come out eventually. Uh, soon. Uh, fo fo Focus is putting it out. Oh, Focus is doing it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I want to know all about the Lafka dinner. I did not go. Sure. Because I'm, you know, the, the, my body wasn't ready yes. <laughs> at all. So you took our niece, Pilar. Mm -hmm. Yes. She too got all dressed up. She did. Everyone gets dressed up. Talk about it. Tell me what happened. Uh, so it was downtown at the Biltmore, which apparently not the first year they've done it there, but it's the first year I've attended it there. Mm. I've not been to a Lafka dinner since 2020, January of 2020. Oh, that's right. Before, the before times, where I presented to Almodovar uh, for uh, Painting Glory. Yeah. Uh, but I had not been, we didn't do one in 2020, obviously. I don't know if we did one in 2021. Half that room already had COVID. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, we didn't do one in 2021, or I don't, and I can't remember if we did one in 2022. And then 2023, I was still like, mm, unmasked in a room with the people and the food. And, the, mm, and so I, I didn't go. Mm. So I went back this year. Didn't present, just went. And uh, it was nice. It was nice to see people. A lot of like, a lot of my colleagues that I hadn't seen since, you know, before the pandemic, a lot of right. like publicists and stuff who, yeah. you know, we've been in touch via email or whatever, but hadn't been in a room with them for a while. Um, and it was, it was a, it was a lovely evening. It didn't drag on too long, which is always a worry that, you know, the speeches are just going to go on until the break of dawn. Right. Um, ironically, one of the longer speeches that needed a trim was, was from a dog. Uh, was no, it was from the winner of best editor. <laughs> 
But there was a speech from a dog. There was a speech from a dog. The border collie from Anatomy of a Fall uh, recorded a uh, an acceptance for best film. A little not selfie in, video, not in English he, language. He slapped on it with his paw, and yeah. uh, and it was subtitled. You know, yeah. uh, and it was great. It was that was a highlight of the evening for sure. But no, the speeches were were you know a lot, there were I, admittedly a lot of people weren't there. Usually, I think a lot the, of no shows. Yeah, I think the plan is. Well, the Golden Globes screwed you guys. Well, that, yeah, yeah, the plan generally is like we we do it the night before the Golden Globes. Everybody's in town. Everyone's in town. They, they can at least pop in, even if they've got like three other things to go to. Yep. But this year, the Golden Globes went early, and we were instead the night before the Critics' Choice Awards, which I guess is maybe less of a draw than the Golden I, Globes. So. I forget about the Critics' Choice Awards. Until they come up again. Same here. And I, know I don't it's a thing, know but it's who not. votes. I don't know what they mean. I don't know where they come from. I don't know how long they've been a thing. We know people. No, I don't know who, anything about. We anything. know people who are in it, um, and there are some people I know who are in both that and Lafka. What's the group called? Uh, what group votes? Well, they who used are to they? be. They used to be called the Broadcast Film Critics Association. Broadcast Film Critics. But now they're not. Now they've expanded expanded their reach beyond just broadcast, but I forget what they're called now. Maybe like the Critics Choice Association. I don't, I don't know to be honest. Well, that's appropriately generic. Yeah, I mean, no shade. I just I don't know. Um, no, I'm not making fun of them or anything. Yeah. I just have no idea what. It, yeah, no, no, no I don't. Is. I don't really know what the deal is over there. Um, who do we know who's in it? Uh, oh, Gray's in it, and other people. Oh, okay, yeah. So we can find out. We the moral ask. of this story is I'm stupid and I stay <laughs> home. Anyway, so, right. but, you know, we still had some some star power there. Emma Stone uh, came. She was one of the two uh, lead performance winners. The other one yeah. was uh, Sandra Huller for Anatomy of Fall and Zone of Interest. Where was she? Uh, she what was. Did she, what better thing did she? She have was to in do? Europia somewhere, mm, but she sent okay, in a very nice uh, recorded uh, <laughs> uh, thing. And then uh, Davine Joy Randolph was there. Yes, and uh, gave a very lovely speech and. The other supporting performer was Rachel McAdams, who did not attend, but sent a heartfelt speech that was read out by a Lionsgate exec mm -hmm. uh, and friend of hers, apparently. Okay. Um, Jonathan Glazer was there. Yeah. Uh, a lot of team zone of interest was there. Like Mika Levy wasn't there, but uh, Robbie Byrne, who was the sound designer who we also uh, honored, uh, was there. The producer was there. Um uh, Anishka Holland, who received our Career Achievement Award, was there. Okay. And that was presented to her by uh, Ed Harris and by Ella Taylor. Right. Um, Ed Harris was, you know, magnetic. Yeah. Well, he's Ed Harris. <laughs> yeah. Um, who else? I'm trying to think, like, who else? Oh, Celine Song was there. Oh, right on. Uh, she, she got New Generation and... and uh, Carlos Aguilar gave a, a, a beautiful intro to her, and then she talked about how much she loved a piece that Carlos had written about past lives in LA Times, about how he responded to it as an immigrant, and, uh -huh. the, and so that was there was a whole little smoochy love fest going on between <laughs> those two up and there. Now they're getting married. So <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was it was a it was a fun evening, and you know it is nice to see everybody all dressed up for once. A uh, friend of the show, Robert Abley, who is now president of LA Film Critics. Hmm. Pointed out the fact that the the room we were in at the um, at the Biltmore uh, that over in one corner was where uh, 
Robert Redford has his sit down with Robert Shaw in the Sting. Oh. So it's a very cool old hotel, you know, yeah. of another era. I'm sure Mad Men shot something there. <laughs> um, were y'all in the big, like, tea room area? Yeah, with, like, the stairs leading up to yeah. the thing. Yeah. That Mad Men did shoot in that very room. Okay. I've had tea there with, with, uh, uh, um, Shannon Lee. Shannon Lee. Of course. Yeah. We were to that. We were to high tea. Fancy tea ladies. Yeah, we're fancy tea people. Yeah. We, we've been there to do things with fancy tea. Did you have finger sandwiches? Yeah. Of course. You don't go to tea and not get the sandwiches. <laughs> you get. They give you little tiered trays of sandwiches. Oh, nice. Little tiered trays of cakes. Yes. You get the, Have you not done this ever in no. your life? Okay. You and me. All right. And who, I don't care who else. We'll get Shannon Lee to go with us. Okay, fine. Let's let's do it. I want you to experience the fun. It's fun. People think it's dumb and fancy, but it's actually fun, and you get to um, eat. It can be both. You can be. You get to eat. <laughs> you get to eat things, and I mean, you will have to drink some tea. That's fine. Are you gonna be okay with that? Yeah. All right. Put some cream in it. I'll be fine. <laughs> I, I, you know, black tea with milk and a little sugar. I think you'll be able to deal with yeah, it. Yeah. Sure. You, you'll be okay. I can't not drink tea. It's just never my first choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, let's discuss the uh, the current cinema. Uh, did you want to talk about our, our favorite films of the year? Or no? Oh, we will after we discuss oh, okay. the current cinema. Because ju- just to let people know, it is mid-January, and usually by now we would have done our, our annual Critics Roundtable episode. And uh, we're going to do it, but it's probably going to be after Sundance happens. So look for that at the end of January, but it'll still be, you know, riveting. So um, I I debated with myself whether we should talk about this film now or whether we should wait until it's more accessible to everybody who's Uh listening. But it is still currently in theaters. It is still making its way around the country now. If you are, you know, uh, not in New York or Los Angeles, a lucky urban dweller of a big city, you got a chance to see it in a, you know, a proper theatrical run where they showed it once or twice a day. It's a four-hour movie, so good luck getting it more than twice a day on a schedule in a local movie theater. You but, buried the lead. You might mention which one we're talking about here. Oh, you're right. <laughs> uh, menu place here. Le Trois Gros, the yes. latest documentary from Frederick Wiseman, the great, the great, the great Frederick, Wiseman. Frederick Wiseman, who is now what, 93, 94? How old is he now? I believe so, yes. Uh, definitely a in his 90s. career reaching back to the 60s. Yep, Titicut Follies. A body of work that is unlike any other documentary filmmaker that I can think of. Yeah. I can, I can see his films. I can know his films just by looking at them. And... And I can see who he has inspired along the way. Yeah, there was yeah. a French film last year called Our Body mm-hmm. that very much takes a page from the Wiseman uh, playbook. But yeah, this is this is a, a style of nonfiction filmmaking that I, I feel safe in saying if he didn't create it from whole cloth, he you know was it one of its earliest champions and and greatest practitioners. He he honed it and he perfected it. Yeah. I have not seen Our Body yet, although they did send us a link, and so I will eventually get to that. Yeah. Um, and maybe when it gets to be a, maybe when that one gets to be streaming, I can sure we can pick up pick it pick it back up. 
But anyway, Menu Plays Here is still in theaters. If you go to the Wiseman website, that's zippera.com, and it's Z-I-P-P-O-R-A-H. Yes. Um, there's a schedule, uh, and it's all over the country, mostly one-night screenings at uh, universities and museums, uh, you know, local nonprofit film centers, places Word like of that. advice, don't see it hungry. Well, yeah, that's a, I mean, any food-based film, you should, you know, probably have a little snack. You should, Mr. Snacks is here <laughs> to tell you, is here to give you a little advice. You should see a movie about food on a full stomach. Yes. Uh, so this film is about the Toagro family. They have uh, three restaurants in France. Um, and the... Uh, uh, the main one that has been around for 90 years, as long as Frederick Wiseman has been alive, <laughs> is a three Michelin star restaurant and has held those three Michelin stars for over 50 years. Um, so this documentary is about these restaurants and this family and what they have done with their lives. Um, It is a it is a very expensive restaurant. Yes, <laughs> if you go there for lunch, it will cost you about three hundred euros. That, I've never spent that much money on myself <laughs> in a restaurant in my life, and I don't know what it would be like. Although, is that including wine or no? No, that is not including wine. Oh. If you recall, there is a detail in this film about people ordering bottles of wine that are like. 10,000 euro bottles, oh, right. yes, bottles of wine. Can you imagine? I cannot. There is a there is a certain kind of rich person who gets to eat in a place like this. Most of them are characters in the menu. But yeah, true. Um, but some of them, and you learn this as well, are people who have saved up for the experience. Yes. Like and and that would be if you and I were to ever go to a place like this, it would sure. be because we set aside a little budget. We would be like off to the side, like a, break it open the piggy bank and be like, "Do we have six hundred dollars to spend on dinner tonight? We do. Finally, yes. Okay, now let's make a reservation, and in seven months we'll go." <laughs> Remember that episode of The Bear where the cousin goes to work in Olivia Coleman's restaurant? Yes, and there's like the school teacher and her husband who yeah. have saved up for it yeah. and yeah that's us <laughs> so anyway and if that turns you off as a subject matter i get it because i you know extremely rich people these days are uh uh what's the word terrible and they should be <laughs> Taxed out of out of existence. But this movie isn't wealth porn. It's just food porn. But Wiseman has examined rich people before. Sure. And when I say examined, I mean that's exactly what his films do. If you've never seen one of his films, he points his camera. He looks for what he wants to find. He gets, you know, uh, 
300 hours of footage. Yeah, there's never... And then he distills it down to two or three or four or five or six hours of itself. There is never narration. Yeah. The people who are... If, if anyone is speaking on screen, they are not identified. Right. And they are not being interviewed by him. Nope. No, um, no, no talking heads, no voiceovers, no narration, no chirons. No music no unless music. it occurs yeah. in the what he's he's capturing. Yeah. Anyway, he's he's he has he has visited centers of wealth before. Yes. Aspen. Uh, Neiman Marcus. For the film that is called Aspen. Uh, Neiman Marcus, the downtown Neiman Marcus uh, flagship store in 1982 for the documentary called The Store. And... What he manages to do is never judge anyone for whatever reason he happens to be pointing his camera at them. His films are about institutions and they're about process. Yeah. And this is a, he takes us into the kitchens of these three extraordinary working restaurants and there is plenty of process. So he's exploring that process. He's also exploring this place as a business, as a family legacy uh, operation. Um, as a cultural center, as a cultural center, as a as a place for art, yeah. to to be taking place because this isn't just food; it's art food <laughs> that few people can afford. And he takes you through the entire situation. They go to the farmers market. They have business meetings. They have menu planning meetings. You see the customers. You tour the cheese place. You see the <laughs> chefs out in the woods foraging for ingredients. You see the chefs like learning from each other yeah. and learning from the, the, the main chef. The creation of menus either based on you know what's available or, right. or improvising based on things they've done in the past. Yeah. You see the growers that they visit. People who feel, you know, very responsible for the things that they grow, for the animals that they provide, for the whatever plant foods they're yeah. they're bringing to the the place. The grass-fed cattle guy. Yeah, and overall, mostly what you're seeing is the construction of this 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 legacy, um, and and the construction of the food itself as it is brought to the tables. Um, it's this. It's this. 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 Really thoughtful, and it, I say thoughtful like, you know, all of his films are thoughtful. It's very thoughtful presentation of a place where money meets art <laughs> meets a thing that everybody needs. Right. You know, you don't need to eat in a place like this ever in your life. But you need to eat. But you need to eat. And wouldn't it be cool at least once if you did <laughs> get to have... Something that somebody meticulously prepared for you and made it like beautiful and decorative. <laughs> you know? Well, I, I think like food is the you know the gourmet cooking, let's say, or or you know kind of high end. Mm -hmm. You know, this kind of cooking is the place where like high art meets you know the 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 the, the hierarchy of needs. Right. You know, so it's, it's like you can go through life without a painting or a sculpture, but everybody eats. Yeah. Everybody's required to eat. And then it's a question of well, how can you take that to a whole other place and, and have it be this creative expression? It's a beautiful film. Yes. And for four hours, you get to live in France. <laughs> And watch yeah. people do these really rare things. 
not just the farmers who were who were you know acting against the culture of of uh, industrial production, but chefs who are at the top of their game, working in a way that is uh, you were just earlier talking about the bear working in a way that is so calm. <laughs> Oh yeah, there's no yelling in these kitchens. There is a there is a there is a uh, there's a moment where one of the one of the one of the chefs says, "You can manage a kitchen without raising your voice." And we just recently, I just recently heard about this on uh, on the podcast called Three Ingredients that I've been I've been pushing this podcast on people for the past two weeks. It's the podcast. Loria Cho was at the Lifeka dinner. Oh, was she there last yes. night? Did you did you say hey to her? I did, uh, and she sends her love. Thank you, Lori. So Lori Ochoa is from the Los Angeles Times. She co-hosts this podcast called Three Ingredients with Ruth Reichel, the uh, the food writer and former editor-in-chief of Gourmet Magazine, and chef Nancy Silverton. Um, and they were talking just recently on the on on their podcast about how much yelling there is in a professional kitchen. <laughs> and they were both talking about how Nancy just sort of like doesn't have that. Good in her places. Um, and so I thought that was really interesting. Uh, Speaking of Nancy Silverton, if you guys did not catch our recent interview with her about her new book, uh, The Cookie That Changed My Life, um, it's on, it's where, wherever you got this episode, it's back a few weeks. So yeah. Check it out. Yeah, yeah. We, we did a special episode of one of our Patreon podcasts called Linoleum, Knife, and Fork. And she was our guest and... She talked about her new cookbook, and we just made it available to everybody because it was are, too good not to. We're we're we're, <laughs> we're Nancy evangelists, yeah. and so uh, that's 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 what you should go do after you finish listening to this. Go listen to the cookie episode, the the, the cinema podcast. <laughs> Took a break to talk entirely about desserts. Uh, let's move on. Yeah. Uh, eventually, uh, menu plays here will be available for streaming somewhere, somehow, soon Gen- enough. Yeah. Generally, like, they go to Canopy. Uh, exactly. Eventually, yeah. all the Wiseman titles do wind up on Canopy, and I imagine that uh, there will be a Kino Lorber physical media release as well at some point. Probably. Um, and but in the meantime, if you live uh, anywhere near the locations where uh, that are listed on the Zippera uh, website. You can go check it out in a in a theatrical setting. Yeah. So let's talk about Ferrari. Okay. The new film from Michael Mann. Why don't you explain what happens? <laughs> uh, sure. So it is set in 1957, and uh, Mann, and rather than try to sort of tell the life of Enzo Ferrari from you know beginning to end, I was concerned. Yeah. When I heard that this was happening, I was like. Oh, good. It's an end-of-the-year biopic yeah, about a, a famous, complicated man. I so much prefer the 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 window, you know, like Lincoln. Explain what you mean by Spielberg's that. Spielberg's Lincoln is not about, you know, he's not splitting rails or, you know, practicing law in Springfield. It's literally just like... Doing his homework with a piece of coal on the back of a exactly. shovel. Exactly. <laughs> it, is, it is very much the events around... The, well, the the delivery of the Emancipation Proclamation, right? It's been so long since I I've don't seen remember, Lincoln. But I do not remember. Anyway, it's set over the time. It's set over a brief chunk of Lincoln's presidency yeah. that is very important to his entire career. Yes, and in so and so here we get one 
about a year or so in the life of Ferrari. A year in the life, like the Gilmore Girls films that happened. Yes, just like that. After, <laughs> after the show was over. At the end, Ferrari says, I'm pregnant, and his wife says, right. me too. <laughs> no. Um, so Adam Driver plays Ferrari, and it's this moment in the company where they want to expand, but... Um, if they want to sell more sports cars, they have to win races, and winning races means, you know, there's a lot of complications involved. The The day-to-day of the business is run by his wife, played by the great Penelope Cruz. Um, their marriage is not in the greatest place because their beloved son died a year earlier, and um, she does not forgive him for this, even though he did everything possible to try and save him from uh, renal failure. I forget. It was a, a something. And it was like muscular dystrophy? I, yes, but I think yes. ultimately it was his kidneys okay. that killed yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, he has a mistress and a young son with her that everybody in town. Played by Shailene Woodley. Played by Shailene Woodley. Yeah. Everyone in Modena knows about her and the kid except for the wife. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in order to uh, to sort of make this business deal that he wants to do, he's basically got to... Um, have his wife agree to pony up her half of the company. Yes, and it you know there's a lot of complications involved. They're preparing for. Uh, uh, there's a there's an unsigned check that plays very prominently yes. in this process, and Penelope Cruz is single-mindedly obsessed with this check yes. for the duration of the film. It's like it's like Sharon Stone wanting her jewels yeah. in the casino. Um, Get yours. Yes. <laughs> And you believe Penelope Cruz as a woman who takes cash to the bank for the payroll with a gun. <laughs> well, she's always got the gun. Yes. The gun is by her side. Yes, at but all specifically times. at payroll time. The f- opening scene, not the opening scene, but the second scene in the movie, uh, after Mr. Ferrari has gone home uh, from spending the night with his, with his other lover, he is greeted by his wife at the point of a gun. Yes. Uh, and she says, our agreement was, you come home before the maids. The, before the maid serves the coffee. Yeah. And he uh, did not do that. And actually, the opening... So she shoots at him and hits the wall. <laughs> Message delivered. Spoiler. Sorry. The, the opening yeah. sequence I really love because I, my concern about this was not just, oh, God, another year on biopic, but also another... You know, directors love the real men of genius. Yes. You know, whether it's Oppenheimer or Ferrari, there is a kind of director who likes to make a a movie about an uncompromising man of vision, you know, for reasons we can all guess, you know. Uh, And so so I thought, oh boy, here we go. And then the, the opening scene, you have... You know, Ferrari waking up quietly and not waking up the household uh-huh. and rolling his car yeah. to the end of the driveway. And you think, oh, what a peach. This guy, not a hard worker and titan of industry, but like so kind to not wake up the rest of the family. And then you find out, oh, no, that's the mistress. <laughs> He's not waking up the mistress so he can go home Listen, to his actual wife. It doesn't matter who you're being considerate of as long as you're being considerate. But it, but it turns out it's not even about being considerate. It's about like not being caught out like it's it, 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 there's a lot happening with this I, stuff I'm viewing this in a different way than you are this opening scene oh yeah I, I see it as a very tender uh, situation I thought it, it and I think it, it, it sort of gives you a chance for you to see this man who is breaking the vows of matrimony <laughs> in a country that does not allow divorce yeah 
And he's doing so as thoughtfully and carefully as he can. I, yeah, I'll tell you. I and got, I don't hate him for that. I caught the last half of this with you just now. I saw this movie in August. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, yeah. I, all I remember about the opening sequence is that it fools you into thinking that it's entirely tender and it isn't. Yeah, sort of, yeah. That there's, that there's other, uh, another agenda at play here. I think here. That, that, that flawed people real life flawed people you mm-hmm. can't like you could you could make a movie where he you know stays true to Penelope Cruz the entire <laughs> film and you could say well you know we've taken some liberties with history or you could say no this is what happened no, with this I, guy in real life and and this is this again i say this flawed person trying to make the best of what he has gotten himself <laughs> into I'm not. I'm not judging him, yeah. and I think the movie doesn't particularly judge him either. You know, they, they there's a whole speech about how these two got together, and it was during the war, and the factory was being bombed and uh-huh. stuff. So you know, I get it. It is uh, about. Oh, go on. Anyway, but it, so so you know, in the process of trying to like take the company to this next level and trying to win this big race, which is the the infamous Mila Milia. If you are, uh, 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 if you know your race car history, you'll know how this one went. And right. if you don't, buckle up. Yeah, <laughs> so to speak. I did not know how this one went, and when it happened, well, you watched, you watched, yeah. you watched me watch it, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, I didn't know either. Yeah. it was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> ah, you can guess that the outcome was not cool. Yeah, horrifying. In fact, um. But so anyway, anyway, but yeah, so I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I am not. It, it's weird because this movie, I feel like, a lot of the Michael Mann partisans, I am one, have been kind of cool to it. Have they? Yeah. Oh, like they're well, not. I'm, they're not into it. I'm very warm to and it. And I'm not a Michael Mann fan. Yeah. And as such, I really liked it. Love Michael Mann and really love this movie. Like when it was over. I thought, well, that was very good, and I've just been thinking about it and thinking about mm-hmm. it and thinking about it ever since. It is so much a story about just complex people and complex history and complex lives. And the lives on screen are, again, real people filled with details that are sort of expertly laid out. Like Michael Mann, I don't even know how old he is now, but this is late career Michael Mann, let's call it. Okay. Um, and he knows exactly where he wants to step and how he wants to step and and how 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 light or heavy those steps should be mm-hmm. at this point as a filmmaker. So it's filled with these details that push and pull these people between business and family and love and practicality and again vows and misdeeds <laughs> and at the center is this man who is very much like the, the 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 chef family that we talked about in this last film. A, a man whose life is sort of intersecting business and art. You know, he is in love with the art of racing, in with the art of designing the cars, and on the side, people are nagging at him. You need to sell more. <laughs> you need to sell more cars to just people. Right. He's like, I don't care about that. And they're like, yeah, well, you're going to go bankrupt if you don't. And he's like, oh, yeah, them. them. <laughs> also, I think it's just a beautiful movie about death. <laughs> because yeah. 
It's about a man who has lost his father, lost his brother, lost his son. He is always under threat of losing either his wife or his own life <laughs> to his wife. <laughs> or his business. Or his business. Um, he has built up this wall. He says this in the film. The character, Adam Driver as Ferrari. He has built up this wall that sort of keeps him as protected as it can be against the inevitability of r- drivers dying. Yeah. Man, you see these guys driving these these are they they filled this movie with real vintage cars and replicas. These guys are driving these cars with no seatbelts. <laughs> like the is the kind of thing where like the night before the race, yeah. all the all the drivers write letters to their wives. Yeah. Like just in case. It's not a safe business or profession to get into today. But back in the day, you kinda had to be like, well, Tomorrow like, I may die. Like one of those sort of flying daredevils that survived yeah. World War One. You're like, all right, well, I'm just going to keep taking these things up in the air. So there's a scene where a driver comes to him and says, I want a job. And he says, I don't have any place for you. Moments later, during a test run, a driver dies. And he turns to the guy and he says, call my office on Monday. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Um, and... I would say, you know, it, can you quibble with the casting of non-Italians? Well, I'd say... I didn't. Shailene Woodley yeah. could have been played by an actress who was more convincingly Neapolitan. Perhaps. Um, I don't care. Adam Driver is good. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he has... Because I think he's playing older than himself, too, right? I don't know how old Enzo Ferrari is supposed to be in this film. Adam Driver is about 40. Oh, okay. Well, maybe you're on the right side. Penelope Cruz is about 50, and Shailene Woodley is about 30. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say Adam Driver has a certain continental air of that era that I know from, like, uncles. (laughs) I've met met these uncles in person. I know exactly (laughs) who and what you're talking about. And Penelope Cruz is great. Like, National Society of Film Critics, we gave her Best Supporting Actress. Uh, She just is tearing it up, but in a way that is emotionally true throughout. And it's not like... She has more to do than be angry at him and Exactly. She's not just the wronged wife. She literally built this business with him. She is is equivalent to him in terms of her her participation in the business and in life. Yeah. Yeah. And she's got to deal with his mother. A, A lesser film would have diminished her as a character. Yes. And would have put her off to the side as simply, you know, the wronged, yelling woman. Exactly. Yeah. This is not a lesser film. This is a really, really wonderful movie. Yeah. Um, It is uh, full of great performances. None of it is showy, you know, award-grabbing acting. It is just, like, confident and elegantly made and... You know, everyone is on the same page in terms of tone. Uh, and you know who turns out to be a really great character actor? Hmm. Patrick Dempsey. Oh, yeah. Patrick yeah. Dempsey yeah, 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 has yeah. aged into the kind of like silver maned, seen it all is presence. Is that his hair color? Is that, was that given to him? For the, uh, I think it's, it, 
He's at least halfway there. Oh, you're okay. If he's not all that uh, fully I mean, consistent. You're 75% of the way Yeah, there. he's yeah. got some salt happening yeah. for sure. But like he's become that kind of screen presence where this guy has maybe, like I would say, fewer than 20 lines of dialogue. Not much. He doesn't, he doesn't have a lot But to just say, when no. he's on screen, yeah. you can't yeah. not look at him. Yeah. The way he's reacting to stuff, the way he's responding to things, the, you know, and, and obviously it, it helps that he is in real life a race car driver. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. He's, he's been doing it for decades. Got it. Got it. But, uh, yeah, I was like, oh, God, I can't stop looking at Patrick Dempsey. And he's somebody that I've, you know, uh, there are some films of his that I like. And I never can't watched. Can't Buy Me Love. Uh, yes, and some girls, you know. <laughs> I never watched Grey's Anatomy. So that whole section of his career. I, I think the only thing I saw in that was that dumb movie where the woman hires him to be her date at a wedding or something. What? This is dopey rom-com. <laughs> you, we saw it. It's forgotten. I don't know which one you're talking about. But he's really good in this. <laughs> yeah, he is. As a presence. Everyone is. Everything about this movie is is worth your investment of time and, and, and energy watching it. Yeah. Um, I watched it on, a, on, an, on an award screener. Uh, it would be really cool to see it's, it. It is worth seeing on the big screen. On a big screen. Sure. And hearing. Yeah. Those engines, uh, yeah, highly it, recommended. It's it. I went back and looked at my review, and I remember talking about how you did. You ever you ever saw Gran Turismo? Did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Which is better than you would think. No, well, I mean, you know, I, it's 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 available on the television now, so I get to look at Jerry Hallowell. There you go. But anyway, but Gran Turismo, you know, it, you know they they're, the way they film racing in that movie is very much akin to the video game, which is a sort of like first person POV. Mm-hmm. And man is really kind of like taking it from the outside. Yes. And just like he loves, like you said, he, he loves the the geometry of those cars, uh-huh. you know, and, and but he but he still makes it so like. Of the moment and terrifying. Yeah, you know it's it, it's it, it's really extraordinary. I don't I don't feel like there's a wrong move from the cinematographer in this movie. No, I I really really I I, I I'm 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 trying to pull back a little bit because I'm feeling like I might be overselling it, but I don't think I am. Like <laughs> I, this is really great. Anyway, uh, next one. Poor things. Yes. The latest film from Yorgos Lantimos, your favorite film of 2023. Yes. Why don't you talk about what it's about? <laughs> so uh, I, I don't want to give away too much because I... What's had, there to give away? Well, there's a lot to give away. Okay. Here's the thing. Yeah. I saw this movie... The Venice you film saw Festival. it cold at the I Venice Film Festival. I saw it absolutely Festival. cold. I didn't know a I don't thing know who's going in cold about. to this one right well, now. Well, I don't know, but I don't want okay. to be the person who stops anybody. You All know? right. Okay. Because I, going in knowing nothing was such a treat. Okay. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> Emma Stone plays a woman named Bella Baxter. When mm-hmm. we first meet her, she is... Uh, feral, I think, is the word. <laughs> she is nonverbal. She, um, you know, and we don't know exactly why. We don't know why. Yeah, there's. Yeah, we don't know what this woman's deal is. She lives with a very strange scientist played by Willem Dafoe, who has been the subject of odd experiments uh, from his own father, who is also a doctor. Um, we see this woman make her way through the world 
um, first on the arm of a would-be rakish seductor, um, seducer, <laughs> played by Mark Ruffalo. Um, and as the film, uh, you know, plays out, we see Bella come into her own and come into her own as a woman who understands her power. Um, and it's, you know, this is written by Tony McNamara, who previously collaborated with Lantimos and Emma Stone on The Favorite. And based on a novel. Yes. Yeah. He also wrote uh, and created the Hulu series, The Great. Yes. In which, you know, the young Catherine the Great comes into herself and understands her power and her sexuality. Yes. And Bella goes on a somewhat similar journey uh, in this film, but I don't want to get too much into all of it. Okay, so I need to say something here. I didn't know you were going to place these kinds of restrictions on our discussion of it because it is of my, I am of the understanding that most people understand that this character that Emma Stone is playing has okay. some some very specific right. situations we're gonna, we're gonna surrounding get her existence. We're going to get into it. If you have managed to avoid hearing anything about poor things... If you want to know nothing... Yeah, skip ahead like 20 minutes. And or more like 12 minutes. Well, okay. Still. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Three, two, <laughs> one. Now... We're going to tell you what's going on yeah. in this movie. All if right. you've ever heard the expression that Frankenstein and My Fair Lady are the same story, this is that story yes. in a way. Um, yeah. uh, Stone's character had uh, plunged off a bridge while pregnant. Her body is found by Willem Dafoe, who... Uh, trans- I mean, to be fair, he's out looking for bodies to experiment do experiments on. on. Yeah. Yeah. He transplants the infant's mind into the full-grown woman's body. The brain. The brain of the infant is transplanted yes. into the head of the, 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 the woman who has just tried to kill herself. Right. Okay. So over the course of the movie, we see this baby grow up and, uh, and, and begin to understand. Quickly, though. Like well, it's yes, a very in an accelerated fast, way. This is, a, this, is not a, this is more fiction than science fiction, if you know what I'm saying. There's sure. like, there, we, are li- we are existing outside of any known real world. Yeah. Even though it's set in sort of like the Art Nouveau era. <laughs> yeah, uh, there, there's, a, yeah. there's a certain steampunk aesthetic yeah. uh, going on here. Um, she, is, she is seduced away by uh, Mark Ruffalo as a lawyer who thinks himself quite the caddish ladies' man, but meets his match in Bella, who is not only sexually voracious, but uh, unaware of and uninterested in the Victorian mores that allow men to be rakes and women to be either, you know, pure vessels, uh, wives, or, you know, um, outcasts. There's a quote somewhere, an interview with Emma Stone, where she said, this character is a woman who has never had to experience shame. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, so, you know, we, we, we follow her journeys. Uh, and at one point in Paris, she becomes a sex worker um, for, the, for the experience, for the knowledge. Um, she wants to understand more about this thing that she really loves to do. Yes. Um, she wants to understand more about everything. She, she wants to experience everything in life. She wants to read every book. She wants to, you know, learn as many things as she can, to meet as many interesting people as she can, to have as many experiences of all types that she can, so that 
when she learns that such a thing as a brothel exists and that she can make money doing this thing that she already likes. She goes in and learns, oh, wait, brothels aren't exactly a place for my pleasure. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're for someone else's pleasure. Hmm. How to, how to negotiate that, you know? Go on. She, she at one point talks about being a socialist because as a sex worker, her body is the means of production. Yes, yes. Um, so, yeah, and, and then uh, someone from her old life emerges and, you know, threatens... Uh, everything that that she has become that she has become and achieved yeah. uh, in her life, and you know it's a Yorgos Lanthimos movie, so there is a heightened sense of everything, right? <laughs> From right. the visuals to the dialogue right. to the costuming. Um, but I th just think this movie at, at one point during the LA Film Critics voting meeting, someone jokingly referred to this as Art House Barbie. Because because it is about a woman coming to understand how the world works and yes. what her place in it is. Yes. Um, and I don't know. I just I found that journey so fascinating, and the way that Emma Stone is performing it. The the she is literally creating a character from the ground up. Yeah. You know that she is she is starting as a babbling infant and becoming this right. sophisticated woman of the world, but in a way that we've really never seen in a movie like this because like you said she's never known shame she has not been trained to be you know a lady and she when they is, try to do that to her in the film she always says well this is that's ridiculous, that's ridiculous. why yeah. would i do that so you know, she's yeah. she's always very blunt and very forthright yeah. and there's no you know there's she's never talking around anything she's always talking directly to it and through it right um and uh, and you know just the, the I loved looking at this movie. I thought the performances were all great. Mark Ruffalo. Who knew Mark Ruffalo could be funny? And you know he is very funny in this. He is very funny. In There's this. a lot of comedy going on. In yeah, this movie. I, I love any movie that pairs Hannah Shagula and Gerard Carmichael as traveling companions. Uh -huh. What's not to love there? Um, so yeah, I just I, I I was giddy by the time this was over because like I said I walk in not knowing anything didn't know where we were going those first few minutes you're like why is this in black and white why is she stabbing the eyeballs of a corpse and throwing up fish on the floor what's even happening yeah uh, but by the end of it I was just enraptured it begins in black and white it ends in color yeah they're about midway point I would say uh, about a third of the way through perhaps yeah something like that um, it switches from black and white to color in a very Wizard of Ozzy sort of way. Yeah. Um, I, again, I have just seen this film. Like, I haven't had six months to sit with it the way right. you have. But I've had years to sit with the films of Yorgos Lantimos. I have not seen Kineta. Mm. But I've seen everything from Dogtooth forward. And I, I see where he likes to move in in his films. You know, he returns to the well a lot of themes. He's ideas about confinement, uh, particularly when it comes to women, but sometimes with men as well, mm -hmm. um, about control, about human beings controlling each other, about controlling their own desires, about controlling their own emotions, about controlling... Uh, the way that, that people around them are moving and behaving. I was going to say etiquette, but yeah, that all falls under that umbrella. <laughs> uh, themes of substitution, where 
In this case, it's literally the substituting of a one person's brain into the body of another. But in what is still my favorite Yorgos Lanthimos film, Alps, people are substituting deceased loved ones uh, with living actors. With living actors. Uh, about learning under extreme restriction uh, about the silliness of human behavior and desire and about the silliness of our own reactions to those desires <laughs> of our of our of our of our own our own desires and those of others so there's a lot that's always going on uh, and uh, as always you know the idea of of power and who's got it over who um he goes back to this again and again and again. And as visually extravagant as this is, and it really is, it's, it's a visual spectacle that I'm happy that I saw. He is becoming an even weirder Baz Luhrmann slash Ken, <laughs> Ken Russell kind of person. Um, so you're saying you like the early albums better? I risk coming off like a snoot by saying this. I know. I know. I when know. When stopped making films in Greek, you know, it just wasn't the same anymore. There is something that I miss about the, the low-budget, deadpan, icy atmosphere of the earlier films. He can go wherever he wants to go, right? He can do whatever he wants to do. If I would love one thing to be subtracted from this outfit before he leaves the house, <laughs> it's the the usage of the convex lens. Robbie Ryan, who I'm, shot favorite, also shot this one. I'm I'm I've had I've had my fill <laughs> of that from him. Um, but see, I think but, it, okay. I think it means different things, though. Like yes. I think in the favorite, he's using the those the fisheye lens to sort of accentuate the absurdly gigantic yes. manor house, yes. you know, castle, whatever that Queen Anne lives in. Yes. And in this one, I think it's it's meant to sort of be off putting. It's it's meant to off put the audience in the way that Bella is is is, is seeing things for the first time and is experiencing the world for the first time, and it's to sort of convey that sense of like awe and confusion yeah so i don't to me it doesn't feel like it's just a knee jerk you know like let's let's do a dutch angle you know because we can like I, I always feel like there's something behind it i'm not gonna be too much of a pain in the butt about this i it's a little it is a little hey look everybody look what i'm doing there, there's a there, it feels like that a little bit to me okay um and i and i do miss a, a more restrained version of what he can be. Now, having said that, he's already made another movie with Emma Stone. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's already done. Huh. And so they're going to keep collaborating, and I'm interested in seeing where they go. Also, I appreciate the Frankenstein-y, you know, everything of this. <laughs> I think the performances are cool. Willem Dafoe is cool. Mark Ruffalo. Rami Emma, Youssef. R Rami Youssef. Emma Stone like stomps off with the whole movie. Yeah. And she should because it's her film. Yeah. Um, so I don't I don't dislike this movie. I just 
I don't know. It doesn't thrill you the way Yorgos used to. I, yeah. I, I, I Give me some time. Maybe I'll change my mind. I don't know. Right. I don't know. Uh, before we go, we're not going to do letters this week. But we are going to talk about uh, our favorite movies of 2023. Now, you did a best of list for thefilmverdict.com. Correct. A website that requires you to... Bring, <laughs> it's There's no just paywall. Give them an email address. There's no paywall. You just have to have an account. Give them your email. You'll get those emails from them. And then you can read the wonderful film criticism of Alonzo Doral. They do it. <laughs> you heard. Sick of your complaints. <laughs> um. You did a best of list. I did. And it's available to be seen. It is. Um, would you like to run through that list? Sure. Because I, I agree with you uh, on quite a few of these. Okay. Uh, I, did, I did an 11 through 20 And if there's up. something that I think is uh, dumb and bad and that you were wrong about, I'll make a okay. noise. How about that? That's great. That's Why professional you, and classy. Uh, yes. I yes. appreciate the, 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 the respect as a peer. Yeah. Uh, my runners up 11 through 20 are um, Menu Plaisir Les Trois Gros, mm-hmm. uh, Anatomy of a Fall, The Delinquents, American Fiction, The Boy and the Heron, Past Lives, The Color Purple, Showing Up, Priscilla, and The Holdovers. Okay. And then my top 10 were at number 10 was May, December. Uh, at number nine was RMN. Oh, RMN. You guys. <laughs> a Romanian film from uh, Christian Munju. Yeah. And we talked about it on the show. We have talked yeah. about it on this podcast. The letters RMN. Yeah. Uh, you can go find it if you scroll back to an earlier episode. Yeah. Uh, at number eight, uh, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Mm-hmm. Uh, at seven, The Zone of Interest. At six, Bottoms. Yep. At number five, Godzilla minus one. Yep. At four, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm-hmm. At number three, Barbie. Uh, number two, Lamensita. And uh, number one, Poor Things. Okay. Well, I, you didn't get a... No raspberries. Oh, you know why? Because about a third of those I still haven't seen. That's true. Haven't seen the Godzilla movie. Haven't seen Zone of Interest. Haven't seen uh, uh, several, several of them. I still haven't seen yet. You haven't seen Priscilla. I haven't seen Priscilla. Look, you guys, I had hip replacement surgery. Yeah. I was sidelined. Yes. I had a I had a problem. I was convalescing. <laughs> I'm so okay. I, during those weeks where I was in the recliner, just drifting in and out of sleep, mm-hmm. I had this big idea. I had the award screeners sitting right Stacked next to me. Right up. They were on the table right next to me. And I was like, I'm gonna get so much work done. Let <laughs> <laughs> I wake up. And some dumb thing would be on TCM. And I'd be like, oh, this looks cool. <laughs> Watch that for 30 minutes. Sleep some more. Like, there, there was no, no work got done. Very yeah, little you work. You need to see Godzilla's done. Zone of Interest, Priscilla, and uh, American I dozed, Fiction. I dozed sure. off during Wonka. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, they're singing about chocolate. <laughs> Sleepy time. Um, and I saw the delinquents because you really pushed it on me. I pushed the delinquents on you real hard. It's an Argentine heist. An existential heist comedy. Yeah, that's I guess that's what we should call it. Was, it. it was, it's so good. Argentina's submission to the Oscars this year, sadly, was not shortlisted. Boo. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, keep an eye out for it. Yeah. Um, so, there are a lot of the usual suspects on year-end best of lists. Yeah. Um, and you've mentioned a lot of them. Uh, and I agree with the ones I've seen. I agree that those are all good. Uh, all good films. 
the, I want to talk today just for a very brief amount of time, uh, reminding everybody of some of the films that we have discussed yes. on this podcast. Like you could go to patreon.com slash linoleum knife. And even if you are not a Patreon person, all of the episodes of linoleum knife are on Patreon for anybody to listen to, even if you are not a subscriber to the 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 pay episodes right or if you of, are of if, you're, if you're listening to this on like spotify or whatever scroll back they're all there um and so what often gets lost and again when we when we do the episode with the other film critics that we do at the beginning of every year and that's going to happen after sundance after sundance. yeah because everyone's going to sundance yeah. i'm not but um me neither uh they're all going to sundance and after Sundance, they will be on. It'll be sometime in February. Or and or very late January. Yeah, beginning of February. Let's call it the beginning of February. How about that? Um, the one thing that happens during that episode is there are so many of us on the mic, and I want to hear my friends talk. I tend to hold back. I tend to be quieter than when it's just you and me. So I like to get this out in the world before they show up so I can get a chance to, to recommend, to remind y'all of some of the really, really wonderful films we saw that are not even a part of year-end conversations with a lot of film critics. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, like Lamentata was the one that I went to bat for that I feel like no one's talking yeah, about. Yeah, we, we, we've been hitting hard for Lamentata, <laughs> the Italian film yeah. from uh, Emmanuel Criolese. Um, which is now on Prime Video by because the way. we love it so very much, and we want everyone to. If you're within the sound of my voice, <laughs> you must see Lemencita. Yeah, the other great Penelope Cruz performance of the year. Um, so yeah, I loved the delinquents. I thought uh, Rotting in the Sun was crazy mm. and completely off-putting, and still like a really interesting addition to the queer film canon of 2023 in a way that will make a lot of people angry. I'm not quite uh, about it, but yeah. I didn't love it. Uh, I loved the Almodovar 30-minute short film, mm. Strange Way of Life. Yes, for sure. Which did play theatrically yep. in Los Angeles. Uh, I went up here to the Sunset Landmark to, to check that out. I thought Cassandra was really sweet oh, and yeah. weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I loved Asteroid City. I'm sure. Very much. Uh, uh, the documentary about uh, Beth Ann Hardison called Invisible Beauty. Yep. RMN. Uh, a small indie comedy called The Adults uh, starred uh, Michael Sarah. Which I need to see. Which is, again, it came and went just like that, and it didn't get a lot of uh, attention. But that director got like a little profile on Criterion Channel where they aired, or they showed like two or three of his earlier oh, yeah? features. Yeah, so okay. he's clearly a thing. I need to get caught up with that guy. Uh, yeah, it's called The Adults. Uh, as you said, Bottoms. Mm. Bottoms and Passages <laughs> are the two my two favorite queer films of the year <laughs> because they are about people who behave so insanely badly. <laughs> The queer villain is back, y'all. 
and better than ever. <laughs> and we got them. We got them of all stripes in in these two films, in Passages and in Bottoms. And by the way, and speaking of trans films this year, in addition to Lamentata, Monica was really great. Monica and Mutt. And Mutt, yes. Thank um, you for reminding me. Yes. Uh, the horror film Talk to Me, which was so mm. so horrific that Alonzo left the theater yep. midway through. Um, you know, Megan was from 2023. I know, right? <laughs> it's like the, for the first week of the year. It's crazy. But yes, all hail um, Megan. The documentary Kokomo City. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, the Spanish film The Beasts. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, the French film that was officially a 2022, but didn't hit the United States until 2023, Saint Omer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Tori and Lokita. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the Dardens. Return to Seoul, again, a 2022 film that didn't get released in the U.S. properly until 2023. It got an award run. Yeah, I guess that's, that's not during the awards And run. that does not count. I, I, it counts only <laughs> for year-end best of lists and for award nominations. When it comes to real people in real movie theaters, okay, okay. outside of Los Angeles and New York, getting a chance to see the film, that movie opened in February right. of 2020. And, and I will say there's a couple of movies like that that are that are happening in the next... I just I just saw the German film The Teacher's Lounge, yeah. which we'll talk about soon, and that definitely is in that yeah. weird category. Also, the upcoming um, Tron on Hung film The Taste of Things yeah. with uh, Julia Binoche. Um, Skinnamarink, another horror film that is deeply unsettling, uh, except it's one of those horror movies where you, people are like, nothing happened. Like, okay, sure. <laughs> That's the way you want to see it. Um, one Fine Morning. Oh, yeah. From Mia Hansen Loaf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, about a woman whose father has a degenerative disease and he's dying and she's trying to figure it out and what raise her kid. What to do with the books. What to do with all the books he's leaving behind because he was a professor having an affair with a married man. Like, she's. It, and it stars Leia Seydoux yeah. uh, as this woman. It's. Lovely. So it's good. called yeah. One Fine Morning. Uh, my very favorite movie of the year, Albert Serra's Passive Fiction, a nearly three-hour, moody, weird, spooky film about sort of the ghosts of colonialism, which there's no easy way to sell this movie to people, <laughs> but it is so great. Um, obviously, the things you mentioned, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, Barbie, uh, I did not mention Oppenheimer. Well, I'll mention Oppenheimer. <laughs> uh, I've written down something here, and I can no longer read my handwriting, so I don't know what I have written. Um, a Fire from oh, Christian Petzl. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fire was great. That movie, it's the movie about when you realize very slowly that you are the problem. Yeah, maybe you're the a-hole. <laughs> um. The Tuffy of the Year Award goes to Human Flowers of Flesh. And I didn't call it a Tuffy, but friend and neighbor Gary Cotty did. When we walked out of the theater, he goes, I don't know what I just watched. Uh, it's about a woman who gets on a boat with a crew, and they, she winds up hunting down some French Foreign Legion guys. Why? Well, it's a mystery. <laughs> But I loved it. Um, the documentary Matter Out of Place. The French film Revoir oh, Paris. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, a Thousand and One. 
starring yes. Tiana Taylor, who is gives one of my favorite performances of the year. Uh, I wish more people were talking about 1001 at the end of the year, and they're not. And her work has been looked at, you know, uh, and, and approved critically earlier on this year. But I, you know, you want, you want, you want Academy Awards to go to Tiana Taylor for this movie. That's what I want, but it's not, it ain't going to happen. Um, White Building, a Cambodian film about families being displaced from an old uh, uh, apartment block. Uh, Past Lives, you mentioned. Uh, Dehumani Corporis Fabrica, a documentary about various surgical procedures. Again, Alonzo Duralde, you are exempt Thank from you. seeing this one. Nobody's Hero. I was about to ask, what was the movie about yeah. the French guy who keeps trying to have sex, but then there's like terrorism? <laughs> Nobody's Hero. Great movie. Uh, Desperate Souls, Dark City, and The Legend of Midnight yes. Cowboy, a wonderful documentary that reminded me of one very important thing, that even if you are an old repellent, <laughs> even if you are an old politically repellent human being like John Voight, you still have a soul inside of you, and you can still tear up thinking about the important work that you did 60 years ago. Uh, and, 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 and I was moved by him yeah. as a subject I in was this, shocked in by this that. film. Yeah. Uh, Monica, yeah. Stonewalling, a Chinese film about a woman who, a young woman who is finding her options more and more and more diminished. Uh, and I won't like go into the details. We talked about it over the in one of the episodes. It's so great. Uh, showing up, mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned earlier. Limencita, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. How to blow up a pipeline is really cool. It's not about how to blow up a pipeline. It's about how Pipelines should be blown up. It's a big difference. It's why to blow up a pipeline. Uh, and I, I know it's stupid of me, but I liked um, uh, smoking causes coughing from Quentin Depew. That's not stupid. Makes no sense. Oh, his movies are intentionally stupid. No, I know, but yeah. they're but they're but it, <laughs> it, that's harder to pull off than being unintentionally stupid. Yeah, it's true. That's true. Um, so there, there's a bunch of films I loved all right. in 2023. All uh, titles that we talked about yes. that aren't getting attention at the end of the year because the, the attention getting things at the end of the year are built on piles of money. I... Oscar campaigns, award campaigns are built on piles of money. Yes. And that, that is that the is truth. That is true, but I think yes. at the same time, like, there's Doesn't all... mean what's being honored is not worthy, Yeah, but you got to have the means... To make the nomination sure. happen. But I mean, like, I love poor things independent of its marketing campaign. I know you do. We're not, <laughs> no one's accusing you okay. of anything. Because I, I mean, you know, yes, there are a lot of movies in my top 10 that have active award campaigns yes. going on right now, but they are legitimate. My list I that think, I just yeah. mentioned is not to be a substitute to yours, it is an addition to yes, yours. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Uh, augmentation. And, and now um, we got to go because I have to put a chicken in the oven and yes, make it sir. good this time. Yes, please. Unlike the last time where I screwed it up. The oven <laughs> um, has been preheating this entire podcast. 
and it's chicken in the oven time. And probably a lot of these movies are now streaming, and if not, they're at least uh, uh, rentable. And some before of them are still you uh, sign us off, uh-huh. you should go to Patreon.com/slash/LinoleumKnife yes. and join our club. Subscribe to our other podcasts. They are Linoleum Knife presents more Linoleum Knife, where we talk about old films. We're going to do a Barbarella episode pretty soon. LKTV, where we're talking about all kinds of different weird stuff that we see on television. Linoleum Knife and Fork, where we just re- where we mentioned that you can go listen to a good, a really good, really good, the best, really, interview of Nancy Silverton, Chef Nancy Silverton, that you've ever heard in your entire life. It will change your life. Um, then there is Linoleum Nights, where we talk about whatever the hell we'd want to talk about. Um, and There's club meetings. We have uh, club meetings. You guys, this month, Linoleum Knife <laughs> Club Meeting, where we watch a movie together and talk about it on Discord, is Cats. COVID took away the Rowdy Cats screening. Yes. COVID robbed us all of the cult of cats that was starting to begin with rambunctious, rum-tum-tugging, <laughs> in-person screenings of the film Cats. So get your skimble shanks on. Join you, us for Cats. If you join Patreon at the $12 a month level, or you higher. get to be a part of the Cats club meeting where we watch it and talk and sing along privately in our own homes. And remember, a cat... Is, is not. Not a dog, you guys. A dog. <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening. Please go check out my other podcasts, uh, Maximum Film on the Maximum Fun Network, uh, Breakfast All Day. It's a YouTube channel and a podcast I do with Christy Lemire. And uh, I make regular regular appearances on the Deck the Hallmark podcast as well. Um, you can subscribe to this show for free at Apple Podcasts. Uh, write us a five-star review. We will read it on the show. You can also leave positive feedback in the many places that we stream, including uh, Spotify and uh, yeah. YouTube Music and Amazon Music and iHeartRadio and CastBox and Podbean. Um, thank you, Blue, for our wonderful theme music. Check out what he's up to at Blue, B-L-E bluebleu.bandcamp.com uh, follow us on the socials on uh, Instagram and Blue Sky and Facebook uh, at Linoleum Cast drop us a line at linoleumpodcast at gmail.com and um, yeah I think that's pretty much it we'll that's be back us. next time with more until then goodbye